we're starting a brand new series today, um, and it's really about an everyday disciple. What does that look like, and what does that mean? Um, how do we really live out being followers of Jesus in everyday life? Now, I don't know about you, but um, there's a phrase we talk about a lot when we want to get uh, get fit. We, t- we say we want to get in shape. Y'all heard that before? I mean, that's kind of, we talk about getting in shape. Um, I don't, I try to look up like the, where the, the etymology, like where that, where that phrase came from and you really couldn't find a good description. It just, it's just something we say. It's just an idiom. We say how we get in shape. For me, as I've gotten older and you know, I used to be in really good shape. Now my shape has just gotten a lot bigger, right? A lot rounder, a lot bigger as you get older. That's kind of how you, I mean, my shape has changed a little bit. And it's a lot harder to get in shape as you get older. Uh, but really, what you, what you realize as you get older, uh, we're, we're, making a, we're making a comparison when we say we want to get in shape. We're comparing ourselves to something else. And we're saying we want to be more fit. We want to be more healthy. We want to lose weight. Um, and, and that really, to do that, we've got to change our routine. You don't get in shape by doing nothing, right? It takes discipline. It takes hard work. It takes uh, changing your priorities a little bit, uh, doing things differently than you've been doing. And so that process is important, that, that process of getting in shape. And so it means we commit ourselves to eating healthier and exercising and losing weight. We do, we do all those things to get in shape. But that's our physical health. What do we do for our spiritual health? How do we get in shape physically? Here's what I, I want you to think about this morning. All of our lives are shaped by something. All of, our, all of our lives, we're shaped by something. We're being molded, really, by the world around us. And so we've got to be intentional. We've got to be disciplined. We've got to change our routine if we want our spiritual shape to be different. And so in this series, that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about how do we take our everyday life and, and kind of use it to get in shape spiritually. How, how do we take our everyday life and use it to be more like Jesus. And that's really when we think about it. 2,000 years ago, this Jewish rabbi in the middle of nowhere from Nazareth and born in Bethlehem, he entered history. He invited these ordinary people, these fishermen and tax collectors and political activists, and he invited these people to follow him and to start following his pattern of life. He changed their, the shape of their lives, really. And, and he, he even told his closest friends in John 13, he told them this. He says, I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. This is Jesus. This is how he's explaining this new life to his disciples, right? They're following him. They're spending time with him. He's like, do as I've done. You're, you're imitating me. The shape of your life is going to reflect the shape of my life. He went on to say in John 14, he replied, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen, uh, who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. 
Just believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. And then he says this, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done. And even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. Now, I don't know about you, but when we read the stories in Scripture and we see Jesus doing all uh, these uh, incredible things and how he ministers and, and, and heals and how he, how he makes such an incredible impact and how he teaches with authority. And I read that and I'm like, but that was Jesus. That's not me. Right? I mean, don't, I mean, wouldn't you agree? I mean, it's a little presumptuous to say we could do that. But what does Jesus tell his disciples? You're not only going to do what I've done, but you can do even greater things because why? I'm going to be with my Father. I'm sending the Holy Spirit to empower you. So it's going to be like I never left because I'm still with you. It almost sounds heretical to think that way, doesn't it? To, to think that we can do the things that Jesus did. I don't know. I mean, to me, it's like, but that's Jesus, and this is me. I'm messed up. I'm flawed, and we we fail to realize the whole the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us to empower us and to 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 to, to help us live this life that Jesus has called us to live. In reality, Jesus is just saying He is the template for our life. He, he's, he's the, the model. He's the template for the lives that we're meant to live. And so, again, this series, that's what we're going to be talking about. How do we do that? Um, in Romans 8, 29, it says, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. He chose them to become like his son. Now, now think about this. His life, it was unlike anyone else who has ever lived. He taught with authority. I mean, you look at how he did. He healed with power. He welcomed the outcast. Um, he forgave people's sins. I mean, this was, this was crazy to the religious establishment of the time. He told people about this new covenant that allowed people to be reconnected, restored, redeemed to God. And so large people were gathering to hear his message, to, to see what he was teaching, uh, this from these crowds and he called out a smaller group of disciples and he invited them to share every aspect of his life they traveled with him they ate with him they slept in the same places they experienced everyday life with Jesus uh, they lived they, li they lived in the kind of life and they learned what to do what he did and ultimately they became more like their teacher that's what discipleship really is. And so before long, he had trained them to teach. He had sent them out to go and, and to heal the sick and, and to share the gospel. Uh, we just read, he even told them they could do more than he could do even. And it was better that he went away. And so after they received the Holy Spirit, we see them turn the world upside down. This is how the early church grew. So let me ask you this, right? Does that sound like the church of today? Does that, is there, do you look at the church today and say, oh yeah, I can see how the early disciples followed Jesus and learned how to do the things that Jesus did and it was passed down from generation to generation and they taught in, in, in the home and in the churches and in the synagogue and we see how that worked in the first century. Does that resemble the church of today? Uh, and I'm, I'm not, 
Let me be clear. I, I love the church. I love what God is doing here at Cornerstone, but we've got to be careful sometimes that we don't lose the heart of the gospel, that we don't lose discipleship in the process. We've got to be careful that we don't turn church into a show with lights and bands and music and, and theatrics and that we lose the heart of the gospel. We've got to be careful that we make Jesus the central focus of what we do. And, and the question is, is your life shaped more by the world or is your life shaped more by Jesus? And so when you look at, at, you, you look at all of this, that's, that's why this is so important for us to talk about. Because we can get caught up in doing a lot of good things. We can get caught up in worship. We can get caught up in community service. We can get caught up in all these things. And they're all good, but they're not what we're centrally about. We're about Jesus. And because we follow Jesus, because we are shaped by his life, that's why we do these things. We've got to get that order important. So what is an everyday disciple? That's really, again, this is the, the intro this morning. We're kind of uh, laying the groundwork for the rest of this series. And each week we're going to take a different sphere of life and, and look at how Jesus impacts that. But what is an everyday disciple? I would say that Jesus' plan for changing the world was discipleship. It's not a word we use a lot today, but that was his plan for changing the world. I would even argue that the way he trained his disciples has had a greater impact than his preaching, his teaching, or his miracles. Because what he did, he led them to impact the world in the same way that he was impacting the world, right? He multiplied himself through discipleship. If it was just about the miracles, just about his preaching, when Jesus was gone, then it would have been over. But because he taught the disciples how to do what he was doing, the work continued on. The work carried on. And they taught their children. They taught, the, you know, and we just see generation after generation spread this message, what they learned from Jesus. So we have this uh, this. this person in the middle of nowhere, you know, Jesus and, and, and from, from Galilee and, 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 and Israel who has literally changed the world. And we're sitting here today because of the faith that's been passed down from generation to generation. I don't know about you, that like is almost like mind-blowing to me. If you think about how one life can change billions uh, of people and, and just from generation to generation, how we're all connected with the, 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 the many believers before us. And so this pattern that we observe for making disciples in the New Testament, it's not a classroom. It's doing everyday life together. It's just the disciple imitating their master. Dallas Willard defined discipleship this way. He said, discipleship is learning from Jesus how to live like Jesus. That's what discipleship is. It's learning from Jesus how to live like Jesus. That, that's a pretty simple definition, but it's a pretty powerful one. And again, this is what, as a church, we got to keep going back to this. This is exactly what we see the 12 disciples doing in the Gospels. 
by being with Jesus, here's what they were doing. They were learning how to think and how to act and how to respond and what to say and, and how to live and how to love and how to lead like Jesus. They were watching him in everyday life. And so they, they watched Jesus. They imitated Jesus. They invited other people to imitate Jesus by imitating them. They started a movement that spread around the world. And we even see in, in, in the Gospels and, and early in Matthew, we read the story of Jesus calling his disciples. And, and one of the accounts, he sees Simon and Andrew fishing and he says, come, follow me. He gives this invitation. And, and first of all, I would say this is pretty unusual in, in first century time because usually the student would go to the rabbi and say, can I be your disciple? Jesus flipped the script here. He went to these people and said, come follow me. Come follow me. And, and he, he didn't just tell them, um, hey, just come follow me. And he, he said, come follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men. He gave them a task. He, he gave them a purpose. He gave them a mission. And, and he said, now, when the first day they started following him, they didn't know what that was going to look like. We see how they argue with each other, who's going to be the greatest. And we, we see they were confused. And we see they didn't understand God's plan. But it's amazing after they spent three years with Jesus, after Jesus was crucified, after they received the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, what we see the disciples, it's like a completely different, it's like it, it, they were changed forever because of what they had experienced. These same ordinary people were now the ones that the religious scholars looked at and said, I don't understand this. These are ordinary people, and yet they teach with such authority. And we see what? Because they had been with Jesus. Do we live like that? I mean, when people look at us, do they say, man, I, that's just an ordinary person in Galax, Virginia, in the middle of nowhere, but they teach with authority, they live with authority, they, they, they love with authority. Why? Because they've been with Jesus. There should be something so different about our lives that it is unmistakable who we follow. And so Jesus, he's invited us to follow him. And in, in Matthew 28, it's, it's the passage we've all heard, we all know, it really would be the basis for this whole sermon series. But this is the mission, the great commission that we've been given. That Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I'm with you always even to the end of the age. Can I just say that, that, that God's plan for discipleship did not involve, did not revolve, I would say, around one hour a week on Sunday morning to come and, and hear a message and say, okay, that, that kind of filled my quota for the week of, of religious instruction and now I can go back. His plan for discipleship was to go out into the world, to go out to where people live, and to teach them to obey what Christ has commanded. 
to, to baptize them, to bring them into the fellowship of the church, to walk with them, to live with them, to, to, to walk beside them and help them. And, and, and to understand we do it with the authority and the power of God because he indwells us and empowers us to do it. This is, again, I'm not trying to, to be cynical, but it seems like in our American culture, in our Western culture, we've lost this generational aspect of teaching. We've lost this one-on-one discipleship. We've made it more about sitting in rows in a classroom and on Sunday morning than actually doing life together, teaching people what it looks like to follow Jesus. And so this is where we've got to go back to that. And, and it makes us uncomfortable because like, but, but we pay the pastor to do this, right? I mean, that's what church is. You, you hire professionals to do the work so you don't have to. Again, I'm being a little cynical, but that's how the American church is, is structured. And, and it's a role that I can never fully fulfill because I was never meant to do that. We're each and every one of us called to, to live this out in everyday life. So our mission statement as a church, and we, you've heard, we talked about this back uh, several months ago, but uh, it's working together to make disciples of Jesus who transform the world. That's what we're about, working together. Uh, we do this collaboratively. We come along, we, we, but we make disciples of Jesus who then go and transform their world. And I would say this, just because someone claims to be a Christian, it doesn't mean that they're an actual disciple of Jesus. Right? A, a disciple, again, it's learning from Jesus, how to live like Jesus. There's a lot of people who say, I'm a Christian because I went to church. I'm a Christian because my parents went to church. I'm a Christian because I said a prayer when I was a kid. And, and, but their, their life is not shaped by Jesus. And so my, my question is, are you really following him? Do you really have a relationship with him? Have you really put your faith and your trust in him? Or have you put your faith in a trust um, in, a, in a tradition or a ritual instead of Jesus. We, we've got to realize that everyone is being discipled by something. Everyone, everyone here is being discipled by something. The question is who or what is discipling you? Uh, I, I want you to think about it, your typical week. Your, your typical week, think about what you read. Think about what you watch. Think about what you listen to. Think about how much time you put into each of those areas. Think about the people you're around and you hang out with and the people that are kind of speaking into your life. And then think about which, which one of those things is really uh, discipling you the most. What, what are you being discipled by? Uh, that, that, those questions, they will tell you who and what is shaping you. And... I, Again, I don't want to be presumptuous, but I would say for most people, it's not Jesus or the Bible that is doing the most shaping. For some, it's Facebook or Instagram or TikTok if you're younger, right? For some, it's cable news. For some, it's talk radio. For some, it's a group of people at work that are just constantly kind of giving you advice and pointing you in a, in a direction. What is shaping you the most? What is it that you are being discipled by? 
one pastor said this. He said, whenever people leave the worship service or their small group, whenever they close their Bibles, they are immediately inundated with social media and communication broadcasting another narrative. They are being discipled by their workplaces, the friends in their community, and their news feeds. Church history from the first century through today has made it very clear that Christians are prone to believe all sorts of things that are not in line with what God has revealed in the Bible. We got to be careful. I mean, we know this stuff. We got to be careful what we let enter into our minds because it shapes us whether we realize it or not. And over time, what we see is often people who claim to be followers of Jesus are really followers of something else because they're being discipled more by the world than by Jesus. And so I want you to take some time this week. I want you to take some time. Really think about what is shaping me. What is shaping me? Is it Jesus? Is it the, the God's word, the Bible that we have? Or is it what someone says on TV? Or is it what someone posts on social media? Or is it what I feel or I think should be right? Or is it what God really has taught us? Because if we are Christians, if we want to be an everyday disciple, our life needs to be shaped by Jesus. That means we've got to know Jesus. That means we've got to be in his word. That means we've got to be growing and learning. Unfortunately, I just see so many people that would say they are Christians, but they don't have a real life-changing, vibrant relationship with God. It's more of this weight that they are carrying around. It's rules, it's obligations, it's expectations, it's frustration. I guess I have to go to church this week. It's that, that weight instead of saying, I get to go to church today. I'm blessed to go to church today. I get to do God's work. I get to learn from God. We're, we, we carry around this weight of all these obligations that we feel like we have to meet in order to be a follower. We need a vibrant, life-changing relationship. And so here's what I, I kind of want to focus on this morning. I, I want to give us a model for doing that. I want to get us into a healthy rhythm of life. And so my question for you is how do you keep focused? How do you keep passionate about living as a disciple every day? How, how do we get how do we get passionate and focused about living as a disciple every day because if you've been a believer for a while sometimes it becomes this burden because you're like oh I didn't read my Bible I guess I need to read my Bible it becomes a checklist rather than a life-giving relationship I, I want to help you with that today I want to give you some advice uh, when Jesus when he appeared in Galilee proclaiming the good news of the coming kingdom he was giving them this new reality that they were going to live in. It's almost like he was trying to describe a three-dimensional world and a, and a two-dimensional... Uh, he, he was trying to describe a three-dimensional way of life in a two-dimensional world, right? I mean, he, he's it, was all, it was so confusing to the people that were listening because they're like, this is not how we've been doing it. This is not how we've been living, and you're telling us something different. And he... he um, he, he made it possible for people not only to see this three-dimensional life in reality, but he made it possible for them to, to see how he lived it out. And he invited us in it. And he really, when, when we look at the life of Jesus, 
I would say he focused on three really key relationships. He focused on three relationships. He focused on a relationship up uh, in a direction up with his heavenly father. And so that was one of the things we see with him. We see him focused in with others in the family of God. Um, and others in the family of God. And, and we see those who were following him. He, he focused on those relationships. And then we see he focused outwardly, right, with the world, with those who did not know him or who were not experiencing the good news of his kingdom yet. And so we see his life in these three different directions constantly going up and in and out. And so uh, as a church, uh, we, uh, I'll even say... If you look at our church logo, there's some symbolism there that you may not realize. There's uh, an arrow up and, and two arrows down. If you, it's the cornerstone of a building, but there's arrows coming out of this logo. And, and um, this is intentional when we did this. It's not, not an accident. Uh, because we know that these three key relationships are so important. The way we've used, the language we've used over the years is we want people to experience new life in Jesus. That's up, right? To have that vibrant relationship with God. We want to equip people how to follow Jesus. That's the end where we're living with other believers and learning what it looks like to follow Jesus. And then we want to engage our world for Christ. That's out. And so this rhythm of life, this up and this in and this out, is what we're called to live. And it's a rhythm of life that we can live to live like Jesus. And if we're intentional we can kind of see how these three things help us to be more like Jesus. And so I want to give you some kind of just real practical instruction today. Um, the first dimension is up. He spent time with his father. He spent time with his father. Many times we read about Jesus praying. He spoke with the father. He listened to the father. He, he, we see him engage regularly in worship and praise and in formal gatherings in the synagogue and the temple uh, we see the early church doing the same thing when they met in the book of Acts. This up relationship, then there's the end. Jesus was very intentional with the time he spent with his disciples. He invested in this limited number of people in order that they would have a greater impact on the world around them. He showed them how to do what he was doing. He let them in. He let them uh, live with him. He, he, they knew one another. They served one another. They loved one another. They did life together like a family. And we see this in the life of the early church. Again, in the book of Acts, we see how they did this. And then this out dimension. Jesus met the needs of the people he saw around him. He, he wasn't just focused on himself. Right? He was constantly going out and doing something. Healing, serving, loving, uh, reaching, reaching the outcast. Uh, we see the followers of Jesus in the book of Acts do the very same thing that Jesus did. They had learned from Jesus how to minister like Jesus. And we see all three of these things in a story in Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6 is a really uh, a powerful story in the Gospels that teaches us a rhythm of life. How to live as an everyday disciple, right? And we see it from Jesus. He said, one day soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. What's he doing? Up, right? That up. 
At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples. He chose 12 of them to be apostles and hear their names. And this is one of the places where we have the names listed out. Saint Simon, who, whom he later named Peter, and Andrew, Peter's brother, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was also called the Zealot, Judas, the son of James, and, and Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. When they came down from the mountain, the disciples stood with Jesus on a large level area surrounded by many of the followers and by the crowds. There were people from all over Judea and from, from Jerusalem and as far north as the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases and those troubled by evil spirits were healed. Everyone tried to touch him because healing power went out from him and he healed everyone. So he spent all night on the mountaintop up with the Father. He, and praying to the Father. Then he came down and, and, and stayed with this group of disciples and called them. He invited them in. And then they went out together to minister. We see this relation, we see this rhythm, we see this throughout Scripture, this up and this in and this out. And so when we boil it down, it's really quite simple. There, this, you could say this up, in, and out. If we just start thinking this way, um, it's, it's, it's so simple. It really gives us a, a, a blueprint, a model, how we can shape our lives more like Jesus. And, and so I, I would say, though, for most of us, if we look at this up and this in and this out rhythm of life, for most of us, we're deficient in one of these areas. One of them does not come as naturally. Right, think about this. One of them may not be as, as natural as the others. Uh, one of them you may need a little boost. Uh, you may need to realize when you're getting weak. So I want to give you three things here. Like if you're, if you're weak in this, this is kind of where your struggle is. And so uh, let's kind of go th through these three real quick. I'm running out of time. If you neglect the up, you will be powerless. If you neglect the up, you're going to be powerless. Some of us do well with in and without. Uh, we do well with a group of uh, other Christians. We, we don't mind serving and going out. But if you do that over time and you spend all your time with other people and serving, you're going to be depleted. You're going to be powerless. You're going to be weak. You're going to be burned out. You're going to be frustrated because you're not getting recharged. All right? We, you're just constantly pouring out. You're constantly around other people, but you're not receiving that power you need from God to keep you going. And I see this so often. People like, I've been serving God year after year after year. I'm tired. I need a break. And it's like, okay, here's the, here's the issue. How is your time with God? How's your time with God? How, how's it going between you and God? Are you really spending time with him. And so, uh, again, if you neglect your up, you're going to be powerless because you're serving out of shame and out of guilt and out of obligation because you're getting your sense of worth from what you do instead of who you are because you're not spending time with God. So that's the first thing. Here's the second. If you neglect the end, you will be isolated. You'll be isolated. How about the purpose? person who focuses on the up and out but not in 
This person is isolated. Why? Because they may be seeking God faithfully. They may be spending lots of time with those outside the church, but they don't have authentic community. They're not doing life together with others. And so they feel isolated over time. This is the person that says, I don't need to go to church. I worship God in my own way. I worship God in my own way, so I don't need the church. I don't need other people. They're isolating themselves, and when they're in a time of need, they're going to be struggling because there's nobody they can call on. They're, they're going to realize that it, the, the, the family of faith, the community of faith, the, the local body of believers we're a part of, it's not just about what we get out of it. It's about how we can serve others. And so when you're isolated, you're not you're not able to find your place in the body of Christ. So if you neglect the end, you're isolated. So that's the second one. This is, that's kind of the person who's the lone wolf and who does it on their own. And so that's the isolated. Here's the third. If you neglect the out, you will be comfortable. You'll be comfortable. Uh, have you ever heard, and I don't know if they still do, they used to have the K-Love cruise every year. You know, you know what K-Love is, that radio station, you know. And I, you think about that. You go on a cruise. Who's going to go on a K-Love cruise? A whole bunch of other Christians. It's going to be a positive, encouraging, and uplifting experience. It's going to be very comfortable. right? But is it going to be an opportunity to serve and to reach the lost and to share the gospel? I, I would say it's going to be more comfortable, right? And when we get ourselves in a place where we just, this is the person that neglects the out. This is the person who says, let's just sit around and study the Bible. I love studying the Bible together. I love being with my, my friends in, in the church. And I just love being with you guys. This is when you think that the Christian life is all about what you learn and about what you experience with others who look like you and act like you and talk like you. You're neglecting the out and you, you, you become comfortable. I thought about using the word cozy. I thought about using the word complacent. They all fit. It's cozy, complacent, comfortable. You just become, oh, this is so nice. It's, we all are in agreement about how we... Because when you start going out into the world, it gets difficult. It gets messy. It gets frustrating. But we're called to go out. So I've given you those three. Up, in, and out. Which of the ones do you struggle with the most? Which of those ones do you struggle with the most? Here, here's kind of how I want you to think about it. When you build these rhythms, all three of these things, and doing all three of those things in your everyday life, you're going to start learning how to live as an everyday disciple. It's just a rhythm of life. It's not, it's not this legalism where I have to do this and this and this. And there are going to be seasons where you spend more out and seasons when you spend more time inwardly and, and, and with other believers and spending more time up to prepare yourself. Uh, Jesus went into the desert for 40 days. That was up, right? That was him preparing himself for what was about to come. So there's going to be times when we're a little out of balance one way or the other. But we need all three of these in our life. It's like a, you know, a three-legged stool. If you cut off any of those, one of those legs, it's going to fall over. You, you've got to have all three of these things uh, to be healthy. So let me just ask you as we close today, what kind of spiritual shape are you in? 
We, we all can answer pretty quickly what kind of physical shape we're in. And we won't talk about that this morning. But what, about, what kind of spiritual shape are you in? What's the shape of your life? How, how, how are you growing in the up and the in and the out? What do you need to change? What do you need to prioritize? How can you change your routine so that you can be more healthy spiritually? Uh, each week, you know, at a time of response, I like to ask you this, this question, and it's simply this, right? What is God saying to you, and what are you going to do about it? I would say this is, an inv- this is an invitation to you, right, to repent. There, there's times that we need to say, hey, there's, my life is out of balance here. My life is out of balance. There's something that needs to change. It's an opportunity to repent, and then what am I going to do about it? It's your chance to believe, to put your faith, your trust in Jesus. Uh, if you want to be a follower of Jesus, it starts with putting your faith in Jesus. It starts with surrendering your life and saying, I want Jesus to be my Lord, my master, my rabbi, my teacher, and I'm going to be his follower. And that's the invitation I'm going to give you right now here today. Is Jesus the Lord of your life? If you put your faith and your trust in him. Let's pray together today. Heavenly Father, today as we've learned a little bit about this everyday discipleship, as we've learned what it looks like to to trust you and to walk with you and to be shaped by you. My prayer is that for us as a church that we we would see those areas in our life where we're being shaped more by the world than by you and that we would do something about it, that we would surrender, that we would repent, that we would Start allowing you to shape our life. And Lord, over these next weeks, I pray that we can start looking at every different area of our life and bring it into submission under your will. Lord, I pray for those in this room today, if they're struggling, and I know so many people are struggling in so many different ways, and whether it's health-related, whether it's family-related, whether whatever it is, Lord, my prayer is that you would help us to see how we can trust you and how we can walk with you. Heavenly Father, we pray that for everyone listening online, everyone in this room, that they would be able to say confidently and boldly that you are the Lord of their life. They've confessed you as Lord. They've believed in their heart. They've put their faith and their trust in Jesus and in Jesus alone to save them. And when we do that, Romans 10, 13 says that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Lord, we just praise you this morning. Help us to be more like Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray today. Amen.